to Matthew chapter number 6. We're going to start in verse number 9 this morning. Our theme verse is verse 10, but we're going to read the, the whole Lord's Prayer this morning as it is so eloquently called. And if you'd stand with me this morning as we read this prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And the title of this morning's message is, Don't Just Say It, Play It. This morning, I'm going to address an area of the kingdom that will touch every person's life in this room in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to talk about the biggest thing in the American culture today. I'm going to talk about the driving force of American culture today. I'm going to talk about one of the biggest idols in the American culture today, and that is sports and sports in general. So now everybody's saying, oh, he's already making me mad. Pastor, I'm not quitting my softball team. I'm not quitting my baseball team. My baby's still going to play soccer. I'm not telling you to quit any of it. In fact, if you know me, you know I am one of the biggest sports fans that there is. Don't leave here offended before you even hear the message. Because the fact of the matter is, sports has always been a thriving force in every culture, even in Paul's writing. In Paul's writing, a lot of times he says, I run the race with perseverance. He's talking about running a race. And he says, don't you know when you run a race, you all run to do what? Win a crown. And so he talks about sports. So sports was even an adamant subject back in Paul's time. And many of you seem to use sports illustrations a lot of my messages because sports is such a dynamic thing in the American culture that we even use it as message illustrations to get heavenly points to have an earthly meaning. So this morning as we begin to do this and go through this message, I want you to be ready to apply the kingdom of God into your recreational activities. Amen? So this morning as we begin, I want to talk to you about what the kingdom is and how God plans on getting the kingdom here and so what's going on in the kingdom this morning is when God begins the process of saying that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God's got to develop a process to get the kingdom of God up there into the earthly realm where we play down here called the earth, and this is our field of play. So to do that, God, he must become the ultimate quarterback, and he must deliver the kingdom, which would be this ball, and he's got to put it in a place where you and I as the receiver can catch it in the field of play here on this earth while the defense or Satan can't touch touch it to get his kingdom to manifest here. So God created a way through Jesus Christ to do that. He said, now that you're born again, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places while you're living here on this earth. And by you being seated in Christ, he's got the blessing in a place where the devil can't touch it, where you can grab a hold of it. Right here in this earth, you can touch heaven and transform the world that you live in. Amen. We've used that analogy all through this series. And so I want my prayer is that you begin to touch heaven and transform the earth that you live in. Now, I want you to do that in the field of play, literally, in your field of play. And so in the field you play in, what everybody, when I say three, I want you to yell out, what is your favorite sport, okay? Ready? One, two, three. All right, so we all got a different sport that we all love to watch and play or be a part of in some way, shape, or form. In the process of your sporting and your recreational activity, I want you to begin to develop this concept in your head. I will not just say it. I'm going to play it. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the Lord's Prayer in itself. Do y'all remember before if you played high school football or soccer or basically any sport, you would all gather in a circle and everybody would put their hands in and the coach would start out, Our Father, and everybody would join in and you'd begin to say the prayer and be like, Our Father, who art in heaven, and you'd start soft at the beginning. And then as you got going, you get a little bit louder and start talking a little bit faster and get a little bit closer to the end. And then you get to the end, it's like, For yours is the kingdom and the power of the glory forever. And everybody's like, Yeah, and jump. 
It became more of a war chant or a motivational speech or an inspirational thing rather than a standard of living that we will conduct ourselves by. See, I want you to change your philosophy on sports. And those of you who coach sports, I am proud that you coach sports. I pray that you would develop the Lord's Prayer into your sporting event that you coach and not make it a prayer you say, but make it a prayer you play. I want you to not say it, I want you to play it. That means I don't want you to just say it to your team or lead your team in it. I want you to hold your team accountable to the standard of it. See, if we as the body of Christ, we would come to a sporting event, whether we're parents sitting in the stands, and if you're an umpire, you would love for the parents to apply this to their life (laughs) or if you are a referee you would love for the parents to apply this to their life and so as the body of Christ if we are Christians not just trying to be like Christ we are Christians when we're born again if we are the church not we go to church we are the church if we are the kingdom of God not we're trying to be like the kingdom of God shouldn't that mean that the kingdom of God that church that Christianity transcends our sporting events and actually becomes a part of them rather than us having a segregated life of I play sports and then I go to church to ask forgiveness for how I played sports. (laughs) Can I get an amen? Hey, listen, y'all who are getting mad at me, you've never seen me play sports, obviously. And when I lose, my wife will just say, I just take a separate vehicle home, honey, because I am the worst loser. (laughs) Amen, come on, preach it. Y'all keep going. Listen, I have no vested interest in my favorite college football team, the Michigan Wolverines, but I stopped my Saturdays. <laughs> and we watch this game in Michigan attire, and when they get scored on, I get so mad. I mean, I didn't even go to college there, I just like them. But I get so mad because I'm ultra competitive. And for some reason, I think I'm a part of that, but obviously I'm really not because I'm down here in the South where some people like OU and some people like UT, and y'all got this civil war that doesn't really matter because Michigan's better than all of them, so. <laughs> Amen. And and then I know we still got a couple people who need to get saved because they like Alabama in the room. Lord help us all. And did you see how everybody's getting riled up about their favorite sports team already? But what would happen if we would realize before I'm a Wolverine fan, I'm a Christian. Before I'm Joel on the golf course who wants to be a good golfer, but it's really not. And when I miss hit a ball, I'm a Christian rather than a horrible golfer. What if we would realize that first and foremost, our obligation is Christ and bringing kingdom into sports rather than being at a sporting event and having to apologize to the kingdom later, we would change our life. So here's the standard I want us to hold ourselves to. I don't want you to quit sports. In fact, since it's the thriving force in our culture, I don't believe God wants you to quit sports. I believe God wants you to integrate the kingdom into sports. I'm not saying go sign up for the next five tournaments and just miss the next five Sundays. That's not what I'm getting at, okay? But when you are on the ball field at practice or in a game or in a tournament or of any kind of sporting event, whether it's recreation, whether you're just out fishing by yourself, if in your sporting life, your recreation life, whatever recreation, the activity that may be, when will we begin to establish kingdom in that event? See, I believe God puts sports into our lives because he wants us to enjoy life. I really do. But not at the expense of the kingdom for sports. So today what we're going to do is we're going to begin to break down the Lord's Prayer and we're going to begin to establish some standards for the Lord's Prayer that we don't just say it before a game, but we actually begin to play it in the game. The Lord's Prayer starts out, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now the word hallowed means holy, but many times the only time we hear the word holy on a ball field is when it's followed by another four-letter word directed at somebody else. And so in this process, if we start out the Lord's Prayer every single game and we say, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Now the word holy means to be set apart. 
Now, what if we begin to, Damon, establish holiness in the area of our team and our team begins to become set apart from every other team that's out there? What if we would decide that holiness is more important than winning? What if holiness became a priority and a standard that we held our players to? Listen, I, I argue with people all about this all the time. Well, sports is a great character builder. If that's the case, then that means professional athletes should have the best character of any people in the world. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some good people out there. There are some great professional athletes with good character. I mean, this is why I'm, I'm challenging y'all to hear from God and become a New England Patriots fan. That's my favorite NFL team because God's players on the Patriots with Tim Tebow. I mean, come on. Come on, guys. Stay with me on this. Well, Belichick's got to get saved, too. I mean, God's bringing holiness in. And so if holiness becomes our standard, if holiness becomes what we begin to not say, but we actually play, and God begins to separate us from everybody else out there, what would it be like if all the teams in Sulphur Springs, when they went to the Little League World Series or went to the football championship, that they didn't know us as just being the best teams, because I do have a lot of local community pride here, and I love it when our teams do great. Not that we just had the best teams, but we had the holiest teams. That our team, when they walked in, people would know that they were set apart just by the way they carried themselves when they got off the bus. You know, when we as coaches and players and parents would establish holiness as the standard, not as what we say, but what we actually play, we may begin to see a little bit difference in our teams as we move forward. Now listen, when I say this, understand where I come from. I am a very competitive person. I do not like to lose. I do not want to lose. And so when I say set apart, I'm not saying you got to be a weak Christian who gets run over on everything that happens in life. In fact, I believe just the opposite. When we begin to aspire to holiness, there's a supernatural power from the Holy Spirit that God will strengthen us for our time of need and we don't get run over by everything in the world. In fact, we become the ones who rise up and set the standard for the rest of the world. Amen. And so as we begin to do this process, I want you as a parent who watches your kids or your grandkids play ball to begin to establish a standard of holiness on your team. Some of y'all are thinking, I don't know how to do that. Well, this is how you begin to do it. You begin to set yourself apart first, and so your team has an example to follow. If you are the coach, you have a direct influence on the lives of every one of these kids that you coach. You set the standard of holiness. Listen, if you can't set the standard of holiness with three-year-olds and five-year-olds and seven-year-olds and ten-year-olds on a ball team, you'll never establish it with your peers in your workplace. So I want you to begin to establish holiness as a standard. So it says, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Holy is your name. Set apart. When is the last time that you prayed, God, set our team apart? Don't just let us see us as a great player or a great athletes or great people, but set our team apart so that we can be a shining example for the kingdom of God and watch what God can begin to do. The next part of the Lord's Prayer, and this is our theme verse, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I got a question for you. Because I'm Mr. Ultra Competitive and I love almost all kinds of sports and I'm crazy enough just to do anything crazy that's out there, what if, and this is a hard one for me to swallow, it is not God's will for you to win the game because you're supposed to win somebody to Christ in the process. See, I'm talking to me just as much as I'm talking to you. See, your opportunities must come from God and you must be aware of the opportunities that you have. Many people will forsake the salvation of a soul at the cost of winning a game. I've seen it happen. Many people in establishing their kingdom of a great ball team will forsake the saving of a soul at the cost of winning a game. I love every one of your kids dearly, but don't be so wrapped up in your kids' athletics that they're missing the big picture of life. 
and I pray that they all get to go to college on a college scholarship of the sport of their choice. But if that doesn't happen at the end of their high school career, parents, what have you left your kids with over the past 12 years? We've left them with the mentality of win at all cost, even if it costs somebody their soul. And so now we're taking this mentality that we've taught them through sports into the workplace, and we wonder why workplaces aren't working out. Let's start establishing standards in the church and let the kingdom begin to overflow into every area, especially our recreational areas, especially in sports, the main driving force of the world. So what if, God, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if God says, I really want you to win this person to Christ, but in doing that, it may cost you this game. God's big enough over the next year or six months to make a way where that game you lost, he can, I'll say the word recompense, pay back. See, if we really say we believe in God as much as we say we believe in God, that means God, the God of the impossible, when this happens because we followed him in his will, great are your rewards in the kingdom of heaven that can be manifested here on this earth. I want you to strongly begin to set a standard of holiness in your recreational activity, goes on to say, give us this day. Now listen, because I am so competitive in life, and this is every area of life, it just, it's just who I am. I got a question, and this is a question that a lot of sports announcers ask. Is there such a thing as a good loss? Is there such a thing as a good loss? A lot of people, what they mean by that is, is it a good thing that this team lost now so they'll win later in the future? <laughs> Me and just who I am, I always say, no, there's no such thing as a good loss. But if there is such a thing as a good loss, and we begin to pray the next part of this prayer, God, give us this day our daily bread. What do you need for the day? I love to play golf. And when you play golf, they call it a gentleman's game because it's done all on the honor system. When you're out there by yourself and you shank a shot like I commonly do, and then it's not in the middle of the fairway like Heath Gamble's always is, drives me nuts, by the way. And he doesn't even try when he swings, y'all. He out drives me by like 40 yards. I mean, just, and it's not always there, but you're on the down slope going down, and then there's sand right there and water right there, and you swing and you shank it again, and it bloop, bloop, goes in the water. Listen, Heath couldn't see me because he's where he's supposed to be on the fairway. He would never know if I just dropped another ball. He would never know. See, give us this day our daily bread. When you begin to compromise your character when nobody's looking, you're setting yourself up for failure when everybody's watching. When you compromise your character when no one's looking, you're setting yourself up for failure when everybody's watching. Now, I want you to grab a hold of this because the very fact that you are compromising your integrity in something as simple as a recreation sport of golf that I will never get paid for, they'll probably pay me to stop playing the damage I do on their fairways, the very fact that I'll compromise my integrity on a game that means absolutely nothing tells God everything about my integrity when it comes down to something that means everything to him. Because if I'll compromise my integrity for there, God can't trust me over here. But the fact of the matter is, many of your tests in life don't come at the things that matter most. They're tested at the things that matter least. And if God can trust you over here when something doesn't matter, he knows he can trust you over here with everything that matters. Give us today, God, our daily bread. God's putting out your bread before you. Is he going to take this bait of Satan and compromise his integrity, or is he going to take the bread of life, be honest over here so I can bless him over here? You know, I will confess to you, there have times I have been dishonest over here and have to apologize to my players over here. And I've done it. I said, y'all, I really miss it over there. And they said, who cares? Just put the score down. They don't care. It wasn't a matter of what they thought. It was a matter of my integrity. And I compromised my own integrity for what? For absolutely nothing. <laughs> and if I'll compromise it for absolutely nothing but pride, then will I compromise it over here 
when somebody's saying, hey, I'll give you $10,000 if you do this. See, if you'll compromise it for nothing, you'll definitely compromise it for something. But if you won't compromise it for nothing, God says, I can trust you with my whole kingdom over here. You who coach ball teams, and I know stealing bases is legal in baseball, but when you teach your kids to walk the line on the rules, do just enough so you don't get busted, but don't teach them to compromise their integrity over nothing because when they come to the test over here, they're gonna compromise it all day long. Why don't you teach them to stay above board over here? If they drop the pass in a football game, tell them to be honest about dropping the pass, not hope the ref got it wrong. I'm all about winning at every cost, but not when it comes to integrity, not when it comes to the character of not the game, the character of me. I will not compromise my integrity and my character for something that means absolutely nothing. And we gotta quit teaching our kids to compromise their character, their integrity of stuff that means absolutely nothing. God, give us today our daily bread. You know what a lot of us need? A lot of us need these nothing tests to show us where we really stand in our character. So when we start passing the nothing test, then God can entrust us with the something test. And because you passed it with nothing, you'll pass it with something. And so I want you to begin to implement standards of the Lord's Prayer. I don't want you to just say it anymore. I want you to play it. I want it to become an active part of your everyday life. I want it to become a part of your recreation life. I want it to be part of your coaching life. I want it to be part of your playing life if you still play sports. In every front, why can't we make the Lord's Prayer a standard that we play to rather than a prayer that we just say and do lip service to? Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Some versions say trespasses as we have also forgiven those who have trespassed or we have debt against us. In this, we sit here a lot of times and like I said at the beginning, we gotta ask for forgiveness over here in church because we forgot to take the kingdom and apply it to where we were in the middle of a game. I understand that as parents, you get more fired up about your kids playing sports than they get fired up about playing sports. And I didn't ask my dad for permission on this, but I remember a soccer game (laughs) that several parents, I will not include or exclude him from this, had to be asked to leave the game because they were more mad about a call that was missed or wasn't made than we were on the field. See what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And y'all wonder where I get it from. Now in this process, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have missed several calls against us. Amen. See, the thing about being on the field and playing is you've got to move past the moment. You've got to get past that bad call. You've got to get past that incident. You've got to get past that missed or non-missed call. You've got to get past it. When you're watching and you're a spectator, you don't have to move past it. And the problem is we got people who aren't moving past it to get to a place of kingdom rather than we would sit here and be mad about a call that the ref blew in a Michigan game. Forgive as we move forward and forgive as we begin to implement things in our life, we need to make forgiveness a staple in the sports world. Remember the Chicago Cubs game a while back where the dude stuck his glove out and interfered with the game? That guy is still in hiding. No, this is serious. He's still in hiding because people will kill him if he comes out of hiding because he ruined a ball game. Really? Forgiveness. I remember two years after the World Cup in 94, this would been about 96 in Colombia, a soccer player, a guy kicked the ball and deflected off his knee and it went into his own goal and it's called an own goal. Two days later, he was killed coming out of a club. Why? He lost the game. Bill Buckner, do you remember it? A lot of you guys of that generation remember it. You know, he still gets hate mail every year when the playoffs come around. 
It's been redeemed a little bit since the Red Sox have won a couple World Series. Uh, let me just say this name to you, Tony Romo. You see what I'm saying? Forgive him because he fumbled the ball on a snap. <laughs> Listen, they would have got beat the next... <laughs> Forgive some people, man. I mean, not everybody can be Tom Brady, guys. I'm telling you. Or for all you older school people, Joe Montana or John Elway or all your people of the past, I'll never forget my parents were Elway Montana fans. I mean, just, you wonder where we get it. Forgiveness. And the thing that has disturbed me most viewing sports over the past 10, 12 years is I've literally seen this happen, not just in our church, and I've seen it happen in several churches in this region. Families quit coming to church because an incident happened on a ball field with another family at the same church, and families have quit coming. We need to bring kingdom into the sports world. Forgiveness. You know, if it happened on the field and you got caught up in the emotions of it, you got caught up in the fire of it, ask for forgiveness. If you caused the fire of it, ask for forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive me when I fail, as I'll forgive others when they fail towards me. And the next part of this verse goes on to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. A lot of us love this because we sit here and think, this is God's protection. He's pulling us out of the area of temptation. He's not going to let us get led into evil. The fact of the matter is it's absolutely 100% different. God doesn't work by pulling you out of situations most of the time. God 90% of the time works by talking to you. And when you're getting riled up about a call or a missed call or a coaching decision that you didn't agree with, you Monday morning quarterbacks... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Coming to work the next day, all you do is talk about what you would have done different. Really strap up and get out there, baby. See what you can do. <laughs> I'm just saying. I let DeMarcus Ware come knock your block off a couple times and see how good you can throw a ball. I'm just saying. And, and I will, y'all who play baseball, I admire you because I will not stand here still unless somebody throw a ball at me 90 miles an hour. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. I mean, I don't understand it. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. See, God doesn't work by pulling you out of situations a lot of time. God works by talking to you. And when you hear God on your shoulder saying, shut up, that means shut up. It means you're about to say something that's going to get you in trouble, that's going to let you go down this road to temptation. And listen, I've seen it happen. Once you just let that first syllable out, boy, it flows like a fountain, man. Man, I've seen people be so reserved and just... Mm, biting their tongue and just pacing back and forth, just mad as I'll get it. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. They're not saying nothing. They're just holding it in. But the minute they let one syllable go, man, it's on, and, and it doesn't quit. I mean, and it flows for a while. God wants you to be more in tune to his voice than your emotions. And your emotions will get taken for a roller coaster ride in any sporting event that you're in, man. Whether it's football, baseball, soccer, basketball, golf, NASCAR, fishing, I mean, it doesn't matter what it's in. The thing we love about sports is the emotion. It is the passion. It is the, what we love about the game. That's why we watch it. That's why we play it, because we get emotionally invested in it. There's nothing wrong with being emotionally invested in it as long as your emotions don't trump the voice of God in the process of it. And so in this process of bringing the kingdom into our world that we live in, God, deliver us from evil. <laughs> Some of you, that means you had to do what I did and just quit playing. Yeah. You just have to say, if I can't control it, then I'm going to stop it altogether. You had to literally just quit playing. And if I'm not responsible enough to play like a kingdom man, then I'm not going to play until I can get to where I can be a kingdom man on the ball field. I will not destroy the reputation of this church because I acted like an idiot on the ball field. People have asked me this, and I answer it, and everybody laughs at me, but I, I'm serious when I answer this. Joel, why aren't you coaching? <laughs> I will not put myself in a position... <laughs> 
And I will not use the label, I'm the coach. I can say whatever I want to. I can go off on the ump or the ref because I'm the coach. I'm the spokesman for the team. I will not compromise my kingdom standing in this community where God has placed me because of a ball game. And I can't do it. So do I want to coach? Oh, yes, by all means. Do I trust myself coaching? Not at all. I mean, I'll let Jeff coach all day long. He can keep me calm. I mean, he'll just say, just calm it, cool it. I mean, I was even watching his kids play, and I was getting riled up. And I'd watch Jeff, and Jeff's just cool, calm, and collective, teaching them good. It's like, hey, this is what you do. I'm like, better man than me. <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is, in this area of my life, and I will confess to you, this is where I'm weak. I do let emotions get the best of me in events where I pour my blood, sweat, and tears into them. Anybody who has ever played volleyball with us a few years back or softball, and my wife and I would come home, and she'd, I'd say, gosh, my arm's hurting, my hand's hurting, or something's hurting. She's like, it's your own fault. You shouldn't play if you're going to get hurt all the time because <laughs> I don't do anything halfway. It's always 100%. But if going 100% means compromising my kingdom standards, I won't go and do it. I can't bring myself to that because somebody out there is going to see Joel T. Meyer mess up one time, and they're going to label the whole church and the whole ministry because of my actions. Not going to compromise where you go to church, where God's called you to be. So when you run into Walmart and somebody says, hey, where do you go to church? The way, oh, I saw him. <laughs> we laugh and think it's funny until you're the one they saw. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Now, here's my favorite part. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, that's just in King James, New King James, but I wanted to add it in there. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. If we want to see the church be, rise up and be the light, lighthouse or the lampstand in this area, I promise this is the way to do it. I promise when we'll bring kingdom into the most dynamic area of our culture, and that is sports, God will see the kingdom manifest and power and glory will begin to come forth. The power and the glory of God will begin to manifest when we hold ourselves to a standard of holiness that no other team is holding themselves to that standard. The power and the glory of God will begin to come forth when we let God say, give me today my daily bread. I'm gonna forgive when I'm trespassed against and I'm gonna forgive those who trespass against me. I'm gonna understand when evil's coming my way. I'm gonna hear the voice of God over the voice of my emotions. And when we begin to facilitate, not just say the prayer, but play the prayer, the kingdom of God will begin to manifest itself in ways we've never dreamed or imagined. And I promise the biggest ministry field in the whole world is not out there in the inner city. It's at every sports venue in the United States of America. Because at every sports venue in the United States of America, you look across and you got black people, you got white people, you got uh, Asian people, you got uh, Hispanic people, you got them of all races. And if we as the body of Christ will hold ourselves to a standard of playing it and not just praying it, God will begin to make a movement that sweeps across America. I believe with all my heart God's wanting a church to rise up that says, hey, we love sports, we embrace sports, but not at the expense of the kingdom of God, not at the expense of compromising integrity and character of the people we're teaching. God's going to set us apart, put us as the standard, so his kingdom, his power, and his glory can come forth in a way we've never experienced it in the United States of America. Amen? Amen. Now, we've transitioned from every sports venue that's probably gone through your mind all through this service to I want you to transition to this venue here. A lot of y'all are saying, man, I know fall ball's about to start. I'm going to apply that. Don't apply it then. Apply it now. I want you to start playing it now so you're good at it by the time you start coaching it in three or four weeks. I want you to start playing it now so that time when high school football right around the corner is fixing to kick off, Friday night lights begin to happen again, you're in the stands being kingdom, not just whoever you're cheering for. 
Now, you can have a favorite team, but you remember you're on a team, and that's God's team. 